When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the CHGO Cubs podcast. My name is Corey. I am joined, as always, by Brendan. We are coming to you on Sunday, August 6th. And Brendan, the vibes are at at a high they have not been at in years. I have the jersey. I got the Ernie Banks throwback jersey on because I am fresh (laughs) from Wrigley Field where the Chicago Cubs take two of three from now, I believe, tied with the Baltimore Orioles, the best team in baseball, the Atlanta Braves. The Cubs win the series. They are coming for the Milwaukee Brewers in the division. And as of this moment, Brendan... The Chicago Cubs are a playoff team. Can you believe it? I honestly cannot believe where we are. This season has been unlike any other season. The biggest ups, the biggest lows. There's been comparisons of like 2007 mixed in with like maybe 2015. This is a unique season for me, Corey. Like I've never experienced the lowest of the lows. Dark thoughts, super dark thoughts. And then weeks later, here we are doing this. This was just a really, really impressive weekend. Uh, welcome in, everybody. If you're watching us live on the chat, hop in those comments. Let us know what you're thinking. We've, we've had more people than ever this last week, so we're going to do yeah. our best to like keep an eye on the chat and keep things going. But we have a ton to talk about. Uh, of course, if you're listening to us later uh, on your podcast feeds, welcome as well. Uh, the Chicago Cubs get blasted on Friday, but they respond with two really nice wins, Brendan. And like, we can go back to the trade deadline and like that week before we knew they had to show up and kind of change the trajectory of the season. They rile off eight wins in a row, huge series in St. Louis wins on the South side of Chicago. They show up in that series against the Reds here to start this homestand, uh, earlier this week, taking three of four. And I think for me, Brendan, not not only do you take two of three from the Atlanta Braves, it, it's of course, you know, they have 70 wins already. It's impressive. But these two games, they had to nail this down. This yeah. bullpen for the Chicago Cubs had to nail down and hold close leads. This team had to come back and deliver insurance runs throughout these last two games. These were really impressive victories over a very good baseball team. Very good baseball team. How they started the game with Justin Steele handing off the baton all the way, ending it with Alzelay is like the perfect cherry on top. Those are two guys, Corey, Steele and Alzelay, who we've been dreaming of having for years in the pitching development. Steele has developed at an unpredictable rate over the last two years. Alzolai is like the golden child of, quote-unquote, the pitching lab, which sometimes gets poked fun at. But in all seriousness, seeing what those two did today is beyond impressive and beyond my expectations I ever had for them. We always knew Steele had good stuff. We always knew Alzali had stuff, but they're showcasing it at rates and having success that I, I mean, you're closing out games against the best team in the league. I mean, look at what Alzali did today, Corey. Look at what he's done in the past couple of weeks here. This is a guy who came up in 2018 showcasing a four seam and a curveball and, and a changeup. Doesn't throw really any of those pitches anymore. He's changed his entire repertoire from going from four seam change of curve to cutter, slider, slower slider, sinker, fastball, change up. And now he's going to lefties out today, yesterday, over the past few weeks. It is insane to me how Azalite, through these injuries, through different roles, through now a competitive window, has stepped up, securing that role and taking it every opportunity he's had with the most 
success possible. It's it's unbelievable. Well, and as you were talking about the pitching lab and stuff like that, like it is, I, I know we've mentioned that our guy Ryan Herrera has a really great story at allchgo.com talking about the friendship that has developed through the years in the organization between Justin Steele and Albert Alzali. But boy, like this team going on the run that they're on, now holding, uh, I believe they're tied with the Reds in percentage points for that third and final wildcard spot. So they are technically a playoff team. Uh, to see them finish a series win against a team like the Braves with, as you said, Justin Steele starting and Albert yeah. Azalei closing it's it out. Like that is just perfect. beautiful from your perfect. own organization, your yeah. guys doing that against the best team in baseball. Though, I don't know, Brendan, are we the best team in baseball? We just How does beat that work? So when you beat the best team in baseball, I think you become the best team in baseball, right? I think that's how it works. I think so. Transitive yeah. property. Uh, yeah. yeah. So just for, for clarity, if you're watching on the YouTube, I know I mentioned it. I see Niran asking and Rachel uh, from the UK talking about, I, I, I live close to Wrigley Field. So yeah. I- Did I, you sprint back? I watch them fly the W. I sing the song and I can get back here pretty quick. We got a post game show to do. Look at all these people in Are this chat. Are you as fast as Nico Horner? That's what I want to I'm know. about as fast as Patrick Wisdom was trying to steal that base in the eighth inning. <laughs> okay. Well, I thought you were faster than Nats. Yeah. Okay. And I, I also see it in the chat as well. Uh, Michael Fulmer, man. Like, we talked about this when I was in the studio with Cody the other night. But what a turnaround for him. That strikeout of Austin Riley. I, I see this in the chat, too. Like, I missed that kind of nervous energy and pressure and those, like, tight situations where you are hanging on every pitch and that outing from Fulmer to come in and get Steele out of that jam and keep the Cubs ahead in this game, just a thing of beauty. And what yeah. a sort of, again, a job by David Ross to kind of pull him back from those high leverage spots, get him figured out. And now they've found that kind of new role for him to kind of put out fires early in the game while Mark Leiter Jr. and Albert Alzali are relied on to kind of be those guys that close these games out. With Fulmer, too, we saw the early signs where he was developing the sweeper, came into the Cubs, throwing mostly sliders, these like gyro-looking bullet pitches, and that pitch has lost feel for Fulmer, and he's shifted to that heavier sweeper usage, and you saw the effect of having a sweeper in your arsenal because, Corey, he was not on today. Like, Fulmer was not on today. He was not locating well. You can actually say he may have gotten lucky. But at the same time, when you have that sweeper, that wipeout pitch in your arsenal, your margin for error improves, especially against right-handed batters. You know, against lefties, you have lower margin for error, but against right-handed batters in, in Riley, that fastball plays up because you have a sweeping pitch that's moving that 16, 18 uh, inches to the other's batter's box. So then your other pitches play up, and that's what we saw. The location was not there for Fulmer, but the stuff has dramatically, dramatically improved, and you're seeing the results. And the reason why, from my end, I like pitchers with wipeout stuff in these roles because the margin for error is so much greater and you limit the nonsense the weird yeah. batted ball data and that's what former did today well and especially with a team like this braves team right like what you what you don't want is guys like acuna and albies putting the ball in play because they have the speed to create real trouble right we saw it you know magical with that one kind of slightly errant throw but that's the trouble that you get into when a team can run and they can put the ball in play those things happen. So that is to your point why you want yeah. those relievers that limit the ball getting in play. So th there's a ton to talk about, right? There's a lot of individual performances to talk about. We have got to highlight the the Palatine Pounder, as our guy Cody Del Mendo says, it is the summer of Mike it Talkman. Uh, it might be the the fall of Mike Talkman, you know, the autumn of Mike Talkman. Wow. I, I don't know. We got to talk about Mike Talkman. Um, we need to talk about Dansby had a great weekend. Yeah, we um, obviously since you and I last spoke, uh, I was in the studio earlier this week with Cody. Of course, our CHGO Cubs team has you covered every day. Uh, but since you and I last spoke, uh, yeah. the Cubs have a new third baseman, first baseman who was an old friend, right? Jamer yeah. Condelario, uh, and watching him all through this weekend, you just feel the way that his presence lengthens this lineup, Brendan. He gives such professional at-bats. He's giving you solid defense at third and first base. Obviously hits the the homer on Saturday, just missed another that hit off the basket. Some nice, you know, 
plate appearances and hits today on Sunday just uh, for not giving up a ton in the way of prospect capital. Just a really nice move by Jed Hoyer to find a way to get some more slug, some more on base into this lineup, and a guy that's versatile when you kind of need to be moving guys around different positions. And you're able to optimize your defensive versatility as a result. You can put Candelario at first base, which is what happened over the last few games here. So that was the surprise to me. When we traded for Candelario, my idea was, okay, you know, Madrigal's role is going to get moved back a little bit because obviously Candelario is going to be your third baseman. That's not going on. Like Candelario's at first base, Madrigal's still getting playing time. And what happened to my surprise, and we'll probably get into, get into it towards the back end of the episode, but like Talkman's in the lineup now mm-hmm. in right field and say is on the bench. Yeah. Those roles have changed because when you have Bellinger in the lineup, Talkman's in center and Bellinger's at first base as well. And so you're getting, you're, you're getting these roles a little bit changed all across the diamond as a result of having Condelario at first base. To me, that's like the surprising part about the deal. And it makes sense. Yeah. Well, and, and again, a credit to David Ross and, you know, Jed Hoyer or whoever's involved in these conversations. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a believer in Seiya. I always have been um, in terms of him being a, a productive hitter, right? As far as whether the power develops the way you, you kind of thought it would when he came over. I don't know about that. But credit to the, the kind of decision makers of this team, because as you start winning games, right, like you have to be more aggressive with this yeah. stuff. And Seiya clearly is in a, a slump. He needs to make adjustments. He needs to kind of figure some stuff out. And you do start to have to weigh those questions of, well, do we have time for that to be happening right here and right now in this everyday lineup when, you know, not only does Mike Talkman uh, on the season have an 802 OPS, he's hitting 280. He's obviously done great work out of that leadoff spot. He's playing good defense, but he's hitting both sides of the plate, right? It's not, yeah. it's not like he is a guy that needs to be in a strict platoon, right? He has been good against both hands of pitchers. And when a guy has kind of provided that energy and that spark like Mike Talkman has, it, it's tough to sit him. So I, I know it's a tough decision to kind of reduce the playing time of Seiya, but just given how this team has been playing and how important when you're in a wild card race in a division race with three teams and you're in a wild card race with seven teams right now, like you got to win every day and you have to put out your best nine every day. And I think, you know, right now for sure that involves Mike Talkman on a on a daily basis. So see it see it has to make changes, man. I mean we heard Dustin Kelly talk about the underlying mechanics of Seiya looking good, where the batted ball data looks good. He even describes Seiya's overall mechanical chain as the cleanest or the best among all the Cubs batters. That's high praise when you look at Dansby Swanson and Cody Bellinger on this team. The difference, though, with Seiya is that the timing is just not clean. We've heard David Ross use that term, timing, 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 over the past week here. So with Talkman, it makes total sense because also, too, he's kind of fulfilling that role that Seiya did have in right field, specifically when it comes like the discipline. And you look at the chase rate, Talkman's chase rate is sub-17%. That's among the best in Major League Baseball. That's where we saw Ben Zobrist and Fowler for many of their successful stretches be at. And that's where we've seen Seiya Suzuki also be at having that hyper-patient approach. Now, what Talkman's doing that is not is actually being selectively aggressive. And when the pitches are in a strike zone, he's making hard contact, consistent contact, and hitting the ball on a plane that is finding grass, whereas Seiya's a lot of the batted balls have been on the ground, timing's been up, so the pop-ups are coming up. Seiya needs time. I don't know what solution yeah. is. It's discouraging, though I will say not to bring down the mood, but like, you know, for me personally, I kind of slotted him in as like an obvious contributor to this team, and he's taken a significant step back. Yeah. I, but, you know, and again, like credit to the the team for bringing Talkman into the organization and then obviously g- g- giving him playing time. I mean, you're looking at, you know, some of the more advanced metrics here, uh, a 351 WOBA and a 121 WRC plus. Uh, he's got a 12% walk rate. Like those are just really good numbers. Dude, yeah. And you just feel really good with him at, at, in that leadoff spot, right? We've looked for a guy to kind of 
be in that leadoff spot and they've they've tried so many guys there and some guys kind of made sense kind of didn't but I I just I like the feel of this lineup with him up there and it just yeah it, it feels right right now and the numbers certainly back it up uh, and you just kind of look at the lineup and especially being able to put him up there move Nico to the two then today on Sunday you had Dansby in the five uh, Jamer in the six, right? Chris Morrell hitting seventh. Like that just feels like a, a deep lineup, Brendan. Yeah. And we've had, you know, so many games this year where it felt like that six through nine spot was just a black hole, right? Like good luck if you get any offense from Dream the last three or Eric four Osmer. hitters. Yeah. Oh. And so to see that now where you, you know, had uh, Miguel Abaya and, you know, Madrigal had a rough day uh, on Sunday, but he had a, a good series, a, a nice hit, a clutch hit on Saturday. Um, and, you know, Amaya's had some really nice at-bats and has looked good in the, the limited time that he's got. So to have this length of a lineup, right? Yeah. You look across the diamond and it, it maybe is, is not quite inducing as much fear as that Braves lineup, which is absurd, by the way. Uh, but it just feels so much deeper, and it feels like any given inning, wherever they start in this Cubs lineup, they have the potential to score runs, which is just not how it has felt all season. When we went into the year, we talked about Talkman, like in spring training, and we're like, you know, we talked about this in the context of Matt Mervis and the 40-man stuff, and I remember you and I were talking about this, and I, I, I may have said, like, having Talkman on this roster is too much of a risk for me. I Like, I genuinely believe that, given the unpredictable future due to his past years playing internationally, not having consistent success. At the same time, it points to this Cubs team and the extremes that we're now seeing. When, they, when we went into this year, the projections were 75 to 80 wins. Ultimately, that may be where they stand. But when you project teams, about 65% of teams missed their overall record by six wins in both the positive and negative directions so six losses for the cubs to get to that next level they need extremes in the form of what we're seeing with mike talkman with christopher morrell's power progression with justin Steele turning into a legitimate cy young candidate with alzelay locking down that closer role so those are the extremes we've been talking about and that's one reason why my thinking this year has always been be really aggressive, aggressive, aggressive. And I do think the aggression was displayed early on to maybe our displeasure initially of giving Talkman those opportunities over other roles and maybe putting Talkman in the lineup more than you and I would have been comfortable with early on. Now, there was a time where it was a necessity, but nevertheless, Ross went with it and that was perhaps an aggressive play that's yielding success and runs at this point. Right. Uh, so we do have one super chat here. Appreciate that from Max Steffen. I study data science. The Cubs are good. Wow, what a nerd, Max. Brendan, uh, Brendan also yeah. studies data science. So can you can you corroborate that? That's true, right? The Cubs are good. I yes. have to double check the numbers. But the, I data, think I, the data. I think, I think the data the might data be right there. The data does yeah. say that. Um, so plenty of, of individual performances to get to. Before we hit our uh, first ad break here in a second, though, uh, just some general things to highlight. And then, you know, again, I want to talk about Cody Bellinger. I want to talk about Dansby Swanson. Uh, I want to, you know, maybe look more into the Candyman, some of the new additions. Uh, Jose Quas, is it Quas? I have not it's heard Quas. it pronounced it's yet. Quas. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, I've been at these games, so I literally am not hearing it. Um want to talk about him and uh but just to highlight before we get into you know some of that individual stuff combined line for the bullpen today uh Fulmer Quas Leiter Jr. and Adbert Alzali three and two-thirds two hits no runs and six strikeouts against a just buzzsaw of an Atlanta Braves lineup just an incredible job from this bullpen today uh, and, you know, again, generally, like, peeling back a little bit, Brendan, like, it's, it, it's a good sort of table setter for the next 40 minutes of this uh, hour-long podcast that we are uh, very happy to have you guys joining us on. You go back to this All-Star break, right, when things were up in the air. We didn't know what direction this team was going, right? 
They lose that series to the Red Sox. They drop two of three. But since then, they took two of three from the Washington Nationals. They took three of four from the St. Louis Cardinals. They sweep the two games on the south side of Chicago. They take another three of four from the St. Louis Cardinals. They take three of four from the Cincinnati Reds. And they take two of three from the Atlanta Braves. That is an incredible run of baseball for the Chicago Cubs team. And this is multiple weeks now. There is just no question to it, right? This is the hottest team in baseball. When you looked back at, you know, the All-Star break, they've got, you know, obviously things fluctuate, but it was like 40 more runs coming into this Braves series than any other team since the All-Star break. And then, of course, you had some pretty nice offensive efforts this weekend. Obviously, the shutout on Friday, but then you put up eight and six, so 14 runs in these last two games. Just uh, an unbelievable stretch of baseball for the Chicago Cubs. Not only did they do what they needed to do to change the direction into acquiring pieces to help them for this year and kind of trying to go for a playoff spot, I mean, the way they're playing right now, Brendan, like, don't let you and me get carried away. I know Cody was out there in the left field bleachers today. He's at Murphy's right now. He's probably placing a bet for them to win the World Series. So he is long since getting carried away. But like, look, man, like this is a, 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 a sustained stretch of really good baseball from the Chicago Cubs team. It's easy to start getting a little carried away as we head towards, you know, the, the sort of middle of August here coming up. Baseball is a dumb sport. So yes, get carried away if you want at your own risk, but this happens in this sport. To Rachel's early point, this is why you don't sell, right? Because when you put yourself in a position where it is possible, you can't confidently give yourself a a number, a percentage of making the playoffs, even though we love to try to do it. But the degree of error in predicting baseball is so large. If you were to showcase these like projected models to bio, you know, to tech companies, you will lose your job because your models suck. These projection models are informative, but at the end of the day, they are not accurate. And so when you have a chance that the Cubs do at making money, at getting to the playoffs, selling good baseball, winning games, you have to take that opportunity and they're doing it and running with it. And before I do this ad break here, we talked about this on the last episode. What we saw today is exactly what I was trying to imagine the Cubs would be in. And one of the reasons why I didn't want to sell, because you're seeing Steele and Alzelite get these unique situations to progress and develop. And you look at Alzelite right now, who's still a young reliever. He still needs to lock in certain adjustments. You look at Fulmer today as well in this high leverage context. He's still trying to search for some of his pitches. And even like Javier Assad, they need these opportunities when the emotional context is at its highest, when the leverage is at its highest, when you're primed to lock in adjustments. And that is invaluable to me when we contrast the idea of selling for let's say a borderline top 50-ish, top 75-ish prospect that might be projectable for team control for six years. I get it. But at the same time, the sacrifice in my mind always was, man, like I want to give these guys the environment to keep adjusting. And even Morel, we're seeing we're seeing that. We can go in so many different directions here. But that is what I want to dial in on. Well, and I, and I, but before we, uh, I'll let you get to this, our first ad break here. Uh, as you see, Dansby Swanson requesting, if you're watching on our uh, live YouTube chat, hit that thumbs up, that like button. It helps us Look out. Um, helps us get seen by more Cubs fans, get the chat, more people. But we appreciate y'all being here. I know it's a Sunday. Um, very, very happy to have everybody in this live chat. And before we hit this ad break, I want to read this one tweet from our guy, Ryan Herrera at Ryan underscore A underscore. Herrera on Twitter, he said, on May 28th, after getting swept by the Reds at Wrigley Field, the Cubs had the worst record in the National League at 22 and 30. Yeah. Now, 60 games later, the Cubs are 58 and 54 and are tied for the last NL wildcard spot with those very same Reds. Just an incredible response what? and 60 game stretch here from the Chicago Cubs. They are red hot. And yeah, let me, let me dream a little bit. I can tell, I can tell the moment you logged on and seeing your face, I could just, you're, you're just 
you have an aura to you, Corey. You are so happy about this. Listen, this was a this was you know you, you everybody that's a Cubs fan I think knows this, but I think we've all been at those games at Wrigley Field where the Cubs are out of it late in the season or they're not playing well early in the season, and it doesn't matter, right? If if there's a big moment, you know, bases loaded, two strikes. The fans get up. There's a standing ovation. It doesn't matter the context. You just have those electric moments at Wrigley Field. Yeah. And so it's been a while, Brendan, since we've had atmospheres like this. This series earlier in the week with the Reds, and of course this weekend against the Braves, like those pressure moments, the team coming through in those clutch it's, moments. We've been we've been dreaming on these moments yeah. for a few years now. And so yeah, I I you know, I think I'm glowing. Anybody that's been watching this team should be glowing a little bit because this is a really fun stretch, and we have missed this type of baseball at Wrigley Field, and it's back, baby. This is why we watch the sport, man. Like, there's still things with this roster that we want cleaned up, and there's some potential concerns, yada, yada. But, like, you know, these are the moments that I forget how good they feel. I, like, hurt my neck fist pumping when the Cubs locked down that game. I was fist bumping like I was a lie. I, I think I strained my neck. I may not be able to wake up tomorrow, but those are like the situations where when they happen, it's like, oh, that's what that feels like. And for years, we've been talking about this team and trying to get into the specifics and like all these fine details and the front office stuff and the roster stuff. It's like, you know, like I'm exhausted doing it. I just want to be in the moment and enjoy these wins. So are we going to get ourselves carried away? Probably if you're logging on and watching us, you're probably thinking the same thing. Do it, man. It is dangerous though, because if they start sliding off a little bit, it's gonna be pretty disappointing. But for the current moment, you kind of just have to be in it and and, and enjoy it. Well, and and, and when we get back, I, I do like that question uh from Doug. Uh Doug Van Dorn in the chat. He's he's in the chat a lot. We appreciate that. Uh, you know, what changed in the last 60 days, right? Like we'll what was kind it. of those keys from those turnarounds and, he, and and the three he listed, and we can talk about some more, but like, you know, Bellinger came back from the injury and got right back to that kind of torrid pace that he's been on. Dansby Swanson came back from an in, his injury and Mike Talkman started getting in this lineup yeah. and, and commanding regular playing time. Those are not the only three things that changed in these last 60 games, but some real keys to that kind of turnaround from, as we were reading that tweet from Ryan, the kind of I guess the lowest point of the season when they got swept by the Reds. Yeah, no doubt. All right, let's do this ad break here. We'll come back and we'll talk about all of that. First break here from our wonderful sponsor, Sunnyside. Sunnyside is your home for judgment-free cannabis shopping, a place where all kinds of visitors are welcome to explore, discover, or purchase a wide array of high-quality products. Sunnyside is everything you need to elevate your summer. A one-stop shop for all your cannabis needs, no matter where you are on your cannabis journey. They have easy online ordering and in-store pickup, a great transparently loyalty program as well. It is Illinois' favorite dispensary for a reason. They have several different brands. They have the Mindy's, which are the best tasting gummy and chocolate edibles created by James Beard, award-winning chef Mindy Siegel and Cresco Labs. Through August, head to sunnyside.shop and use code CHGO25 at checkout for 25% off your order. One use per customer, not stackable with other promotions. That's not only for new customers. Anyone can use our code. Pick up everything you need to elevate your summer, but you must be 21 or over or an Illinois Med Card holder. Second break here before we get back into it. From Circle K, I, Corey, I love Circle K. I grew up on the West Coast after moving from Chicago, I was at Circle K all the time after like high school and college. So I'm excited to actually be reading this because it brings back nostalgia and I, I love Circle K. I wish we had more out where I currently live. It's it's always good. You know, we love our sponsors, right? Like I was at the sunny side in Wrigleyville two days ago and, <laughs> and you're at Circle K. Like, I'm the Circle we do K love guy. These sponsors. I'm a yeah. Circle K guy. There's nothing like when you grow up in Arizona, you know, during your teens 110 degrees out you go to circle k and you get this like 48 ounce like sprite it's 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 magical so you can go to circle k for those drinks or the best coffee beer or snack selection you can look out for freebies and giveaways down the road thanks to circle k again for sponsoring us and chgo and you can visit this near circle k to pick up all your favorite finds All right, Brendan. So yeah, kind of like getting to, uh, you know, Doug's 
question, you know, of kind of what changed, um, yeah. you know, guys, guys coming back for sure. Um, and, you know, I think one of those that we have highlighted plenty, but, you know, you saw it on display this weekend against uh, a, a team that has 70 wins already in the Atlanta Braves. Yes, as Gary in our in our chat says, uh, Brendan and I both uh, grew up in Buffalo Grove, Illinois. Yes, so we did. BG. Shout out BG, yeah. right? Um Cody Bellinger, man, I, I don't even know what, what more you can say about this. I need this guy to be a Cub long term. And I realize that that's probably not something that we're going to get sorted out in the middle of this playoff race here, right? It's just not typically how that stuff happens. But I I, I need him to be a Cub, <laughs> you know, for, for a long time here. It, it makes all the sense in the world. He's 28 years old. He's only been 28 for 24 days, right? But just an incredible season that he is having. Brendan, he's hitting 326. Yeah, man. Not even digging into the advanced metrics. Cody Bellinger has a 326 batting average on the season. When you do go further than that, he's got a 389 weighted on base average and a 147 WRC plus. That is all while playing first base, playing center field. He's stealing bases. He's dropping line drives. He has continued to do what you talked about, kind of all off season once they signed him and as he was doing it early in the season he still has that k rate uh in a nice spot it's around 15 percent on the season again when he won the mvp in los angeles it was 16.4 percent when he had his worst seasons in la it was up around 27 percent so y'all do the math right like he's got it in that sweet spot and he he just does everything brendan he is in a, he's such a good defender out there well, in center too. field and He's at first unreal. base. But just those numbers are explosive. Just an absolutely incredible season from Cody Bellinger. It could not be going better for the front office that brought him in on a short-term kind of prove-it, cheap relatively to his pedigree, right, type deal. And for Cody, like, he's going to get paid no matter what. Like, if him and Scott Boris were like, hey, wouldn't it be cool if you signed a one-year deal and performed like an MVP again? And Cody said, cool, done. I'm going to go do that in Chicago. <laughs> but the, the one number that stands out is that you, you alluded to it is that strikeout rate. He has a 15% strikeout rate. The average is around 22 23%. He's at 15%. Then you start looking at the power that comes with it. For guys that hit for similar power with like isolated power around 220 plus, the average strikeout rate for that tier is like 25 to 30%, Corey. So not only is he not striking out, but he's doing it in a fashion that is extremely hard, frequent, contact. Those are MVP players. Those are unicorn batters. Those batters, when you project for the future age, typically the best. The underlying guys that don't strike out, that make contact, that hit the ball hard. So he's doing that and then some. If he did not get injured this year, I, I let myself think about, oh my God, what would, what would his numbers be with that defense? You can always look at Ronald Acuna. All these other guys are hitting like 40 home runs. Sure, but you look at Bellinger for this roster, being able to play center field, first base, bat cleanup, make frequent contact, steal bases, put up good at bats. He is everything that this team needs. Given all the other uncertainties at first base as well. So yes, he has been the driving reason for this success, for the Cubs to get to a playoff spot. They needed Bellinger to at least be average, and then you get performances from your other roster. That actually hasn't quite happened. They need Bellinger to be the extreme version of himself because you're seeing Say Suzuki revert a little bit. You saw first base as an extremely volatile uh, position with Trey Mancini failing, Eric Hosmer failing. They needed Bellinger to be the most extreme version of himself. We are extremely lucky that this yeah. is happening. And I, I like this message in our live YouTube chat. Kenneth says, thanks. He's a regular listener and a manager of a Circle K in North Carolina. Love Hello Circle from K. North Carolina. Yeah. Love that. Um, tenth highest OPS in baseball, Brendan. Cody Bellinger. I mean, it's it, it's just incredible what he has done, and you just feel so good when he is up at the plate. And again, you kind of saw it today. I can't remember what inning it was, but that kind of soft single that he dropped into center, that's what's so key for him about dropping that K rate, right? 
you yeah. were talking about it in terms of relievers, right? The reason you want relievers, I mean, and just all pitchers to get strikeouts, right? If the ball's not in play, weird stuff can happen. It doesn't matter where your defense is positioned. It doesn't matter how fast you are. If if you, as a hitter, if you don't strike out, right, good things can happen. And you see that. Obviously, we've seen Cody hit some monster home runs. You see him take his walks. You see him rip line drives. He's using all fields. It's great, Right. But that's the key about dropping that K rate about, you know, 12 to 13% is he's able to hit those soft line drives and get those kind of cheapy base hits, right? He's got the speed to make some of those balls in play turn into hits. So you kind of see the value of, hey, just put the ball in play, make better contact, and those results are going to kind of buoy those other power numbers. It's not just making contact. That is valuable for certain traits. But it's the it's it's a proxy for his overall skill set. Like, yes, he's making contact, but it points to a unique ability, a very clean swing, a very clean bat path that leads to hard contact. So yes, I would like contact, but there are certain players in the elite that make tons of contact that I don't want on my team, right? For Bellinger, when you see the contact rate goes up, it suggests that that original swing that he had was coming back and that swing is not just a contact swing that swing is an mvp 30 plus home run potential caliber swing and that is what the swing we've been seeing for the past few months here yeah absolutely got some more uh, i love hearing where people listen from uh, mitchville 98 says south carolina jennifer said new jersey appreciate that you guys that's cool um cubs fans all over the country we know that yeah. um but it, yeah it's cool to see um yeah, man. I, I don't know. I do want to talk about at some point in this show, a lot of the YouTube chat is kind of asking about some potential reinforcements uh, from Iowa as the season goes on here. It's an interesting conversation, right? Once you kind it of is. switch gears to we're winning, we're in a, we are obviously in a playoff race. It's as we time record to start this, worries. The Cubs, the, worry. the Cubs hold a playoff spot. Uh, and, you know, they're creeping up on the Brewers here in the NL Central. It is something to think about. You know, hey, how can you get some of these guys involved at the big league level? Maybe not starting every day. Maybe, as we've seen with a lot of the pitchers, if they're a starter not coming up and starting but being used out of the bullpen just to get some of those experience, it is something that's interesting to think about. Like, hey, who were some of these guys? I see a bunch of names in the chat. Obviously, like Luke Little is a name that a lot of people are throwing out there. Uh, Everyone is going to ask about PCA if that's, you know, something the Cubs feel like getting crazy and doing Jordan Wicks, guys like that. Like there's, there's some options, right? Like, uh, and you know, you'd have to do maybe some roster maneuvering if you wanted to bring certain guys up, but it is a conversation that, uh, you know, at some point you might need to be having like, Hey, who, who down there might be, uh, interesting, who has those little skill sets that we can use and, you know, put on the bench or have come out of the bullpen, et cetera. Uh, I do, you know, we, we were welcoming his former team into Wrigley Field this season. We would be remiss if we did not talk more about Dansby Swanson. Uh, just a, a very impressive yeah. weekend for him. And I know a, probably a weird one emotionally for Dansby Swanson, uh, but one for four with two RBIs, obviously the home run on Saturday. And then in Sunday's game, one for three with two RBIs and a walk continuing to play, obviously incredible defense out there uh, at shortstop. And, you know, again, like he just continues to look like not, you know, as our friend uh, of the podcast, Ryan Tomier put it to us, uh, not the best value signing of the offseason of of those shortstops and, and really any player that was out there, the best player, right? Value be damned. He's the best player. Yeah. Yeah. You look at what he's been doing recently too, and it is kind of different than his early season plate approach. When the Cubs signed him, I had the question of whether his overall plate approach and what he brings to the to the plate can carry over for his aging curve. And there was some uncertainty with that in that for the amount of contact that he makes and the amount of power he produces, I was a little worried that those wouldn't align well in the future. And then what we saw early on in the season was he started to make more contact. The discipline started to be a little bit tighter in that his chase rate wasn't as high as it was when he was with the Braves smacking 25-ish or so home runs. And as a Cub this year, 
early on before the month, before about, I would say the all-star break, he was making three to four percentage points more contact, which was close to league average, not quite at league average, but close to it. But the one trait that stood out to me was he's not chasing, like, and he's still not chasing currently. Recently, though, over the past month, which makes sense, he's hitting for more power. He's had seven home runs in the past like week, I think. The whiffs have gone up as a result. So whether that's intentional or random or just the natural course of the season, I'm unsure. But his contact rate has gone down. But his chase rate has sustained itself, and the power has come up with those whiffs. So the question I have now is, has he made a change? Has this been an intentional effort to maybe sacrifice more contact for the sake of power? And if that's the case, that's interesting. But overall, where Dansby's at right now, you know, I was, I was concerned about going into the year, just his overall offense. The defense is like never a question. Like he's the best defensive shortstop I've ever seen. And we've been spoiled with Javi Baez for the past few years here. Where Dansby may be the different piece for uh, for defensive value is that on those like 75th, we talked about this, the 75th uh, percentile plays, he makes those with regularity where a lot of other guys just don't do that. And they're hard to make. He's been unbelievable. Going forward, as the season progresses here, I'm looking at two things with Dansby. One, that chase rate, and two, if that, if that power sustains itself. Because at this rate, he's on pace for like 23, 24, 25 home runs. And then I start thinking, well, if he's making these changes at the dish and he's not chasing as much, this points to a unique ability to successfully envision adjustments and have that translate to success. And as he starts to age here, you know, I always think about this as the seasons come across here. I wonder if that underlying ability to adjust in the fly will ultimately carry over into changes that we did not expect. Similar to what we see with Christopher Morrell and the power and adjusting very fast at rates that by looking just at the numbers, you would never project. It'd be stupid to project that. So it's he's very interesting. He's very successful, but he's very interesting to me because he's doing stuff that I did not expect going into the year. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, if you're looking at the overall leaderboard in terms of war, wins above replacement, uh, Dansby Swanson tied for 13th in all of baseball for position players at a flat four wins above replacement already here in August. So he is on pace for a monster season. Uh, And if you're looking, you know, sort of overall total value that guys are providing, uh, not that many, you know, about a dozen players that are have a higher number than Dansby Swanson. So just an absolute slam dunk of a signing uh, for the Chicago Cubs. And Dansby, you know, I saw a lot of it in in the chat as well, Um, but you just love seeing him in this environment, right? Like you know that the playoff experience that he has and Cody Bellinger has that they're bringing to this locker room of a lot of guys that do not have this experience, right? Or for certain guys, we're experiencing it maybe a little more on like the periphery, right? Like Ian Happ has been in this organization for a long time and he's played in playoff games, but he wasn't on the the 2016 team that won the World Series, right? And even coming up in those early years, he was obviously not the star, right? The, you know, three, four hitter of those teams. Nico Horner has obviously had some experience in 2019, was around in 2020, but you know, this is for some of these guys, their first moment to sort of get in these serious games, these high pressure moments and really truly be the kind of faces of the team or leaders of the team as they're heading into a playoff race. And to have guys like Dansby Swanson and Cody Bellinger leading the way, providing that experience. And you know, I mean, especially for Dansby, right? Like, I think it's true of everybody probably, but you know that man gets jacked up when these games matter. He is watching this crowd at Wrigley Field stand up in the second inning, right? 40,000 full screaming at the top of their lungs. And you know that he is like, yes, this is the place to be. Uh, this is, you know, my kind of place and we're going to win some ball games, right? That's what he said when he signed here. And a lot of people in the media, et cetera, were like, sure you are, dude, right? You know, like this team isn't there yet. And he's out there right now going, no, I told you, right? Like I, I signed here to win. We are going to win if I have to will it myself. Uh, before we hit this uh, last ad break here, have a super chat from Fernando. Fernando's in here uh, every day. We appreciate you, Fernando. Up, Hello, crew. Fernando. Thanks for being here on a Sunday. Fly the W. We are indeed flying the W. You know, if you've joined Brendan and I on Sundays throughout the season, we have spent a lot of Sundays together 
talking about losses. Up, up, up yeah, until well. a certain point, the Cubs could not win games on, on these particular days. So the last couple weeks, and especially this one, as you know, the vibes have really changed around here, uh, a lot of fun. So we are happy to yes. be here on a Sunday. Uh, and before I turn it over to you to uh, hit this ad break, uh, I will note, I, I see it in the chat, Caleb Killian is back. Do want to talk oh, about Caleb Killian? want to talk about, ha- yes, Javier Assad and some of the, the stuff coming up with Stroman still on the IL for a little bit here. Uh, but I did want to note, I saw some people throwing it out. Uh, I saw that we had uh, West Michigan in the chat, Buffalo, New York in the chat, Nebraska, Nashville, Alabama, Mississippi, wow. Colorado. Uh, I saw Puerto Rico, and I, I think I saw a couple people saying they were listening uh, from Lakeshore Drive. I, I'm assuming that's <laughs> what they mean by LSD and not that they're on LSD. But you know that would what? Be, it's your whatever you want to celebrate <laughs> with. That would be a wild way to listen to this podcast, and, and maybe Brendan can put some graphs up, and we'll see if oh, I, I got some graphs for <laughs> we you. Got some vi- we got some visuals <laughs> yeah. for you, and of course, we have uh, plenty of folks from Chicago. We got Georgia. Amazing. Uh, we appreciate yeah. you guys very much. We still have uh, another segment here to talk about some of the pitching and more about Chicago Cubs baseball as they take two of three from the Atlanta Braves. We're going to hit our last ad break here, and then we will get back into it. CSGO is sponsored by Goose Island Beer Company, Chicago's beer since 1988. They, like currently the Cubs roster, have a very deep beer roster. They have the Goose IPA, a six-time medal winner at the Great American Beer Fest. Always in style, a citrus aroma, a bold hop finish. They also have the Tropical Beer Hook, a dry-hopped Imperial IPA that's 9.9% alcohol and dangerously easy to drink. They have the full-pocket Pilsner and everyday beer. It's what those who make beer are drinking. They also have my favorite, the 312 Wheat Ale. You can grab ultra-fresh brewery-exclusive beers at Goose Island's Original Brew House on Clybourne Avenue in Lincoln Park or from their tap room on Fulton Street in Westtown, Goose Island Beer Company, Chicago's Beer. Last ad break here is from our sponsor, Hooters. Hooters is your spot to catch all the games, all the high-intense playoff uh, uh, potential games here in the next two months. Step up to the plate for their world-famous wings, a delicious seafood option menu. They have stacked sandwiches, salads, and more. They have tons of great beer specials and $6 drinks all day, every day. Again, check out those seafood specials. $19.83 for a pound of crab legs and great prices on buffalo and steamed Shrimp Hooters is celebrating 40 years in business all year long in honor of the anniversary on the 4th of every month. Hooters will be hosting throwback events, bringing the 80s back with 83 cent wings and other great specials. I'm telling you, man, you get 83 cent wings. You watch the Cubs in in a playoff race. uh, I I don't know if you can beat that. So I don't think so either. Check it out. Yeah. Um, I, I can't read them all because y'all are flooding the chat, but I, I do want to tell you, we, we've got like Mexico, we've got Missouri, we've got Look Indiana in the chat. I appreciate this so much. And I, and I love everybody sharing that too, because this is, we, we've talked about this before, like that's kind of the beauty of the Chicago Cubs and especially what we're trying to do uh, across the Chicago sports teams with CHGO is, you know, bring everybody together to talk about teams that we love um, and go through the lows. And right now the the highs. Uh, I did see Barbara ask where Cody is so he could do his beer bat. I I have on good authority that Cody was in left field. I saw him when they were playing Go Cubs Go. I saw one Cody Del Mendo on the video board because I was just behind first base. And I'm like, that's Cody. (laughs) How drunk was Cody? uh, I, I don't know, but he was rocking an obvious shirt. He looked like he was having a good time. To the question of the beer bat, I have it on good authority that Cody is live right now at Murphy's Bleachers. Oh, I don't know if they let you bring the beer bat in there, but I can assure you that the Goose Island is Someone needs to go check on Cody. Inside uh, Murphy's Bleachers, you got the W flag hanging above you in the shadow of Murphy's Bleachers. You can't beat it. No. Um, all right. So I do want to talk. Let, let's talk about Caleb Killian. A lot of people okay. asking about it. Uh, so what and the Jose Cubs are Cuas gonna, too. Both those guys. Yes. Yeah. Uh, 
what do, what do you think about Caleb Killian? What they're they're bringing him back? You know, we talked about this when Strowman hit the IL, kind of just thinking like, how are they going to handle this? Things with Drew Smiley, et cetera. Just an interesting sort of thing here. The Cubs do have some off days, uh, so they are able to kind of utilize those and not necessarily need. You know, obviously this week they played every day a little harder to kind of um, you know give guys rest and things like that. Um, but we did talk like Killian was interesting in, in the minors in that. Same with Ben Brown, who's obviously now on the injured list. There's a lot that you like there, and you've seen some improvements. You've seen some good stuff, but neither were really at that point where you were like, hey, they're you know banging on the door here, right? Like we had that point with Mervis and Morell where it was like, look, they're they're kind of done in AAA. What they do with the majors, we'll see, and obviously Morell is still here and Mervis is not, uh, but Killian wasn't really at that point. There was still some stuff to work on, so as they bring him back, what role are you looking at and what are you looking for him to have success as he has obviously been plagued with command problems when he has gotten opportunities at the major league level in the past? I don't think you can look at Killian and expect success right away. I also don't think you can disclude the potential of that happening given some of the unpredictable change of events for certain Cubs pitchers, even this year with like lighter and Fulmer, and guys are always working through stuff. And Killian's gone through quite an extensive repertoire change. He's changed grips. He's changed sequencing. He's still a relatively newcomer to this organization. And sometimes it takes guys longer to adjust. And sometimes it doesn't work for him. And unfortunately, they have to go elsewhere and try to figure it out. So this is not to say Killian's like going to be a guy for the rest of the season. And if I were to bet on this, I don't think there's enough reason, at least like from the public data sphere to be super excited about him. But he has made changes. And I think you can point to these changes over the last month, two month, uh, months here. And we do have an animation. I can show you exactly what he's been doing differently. So the change he's made has been to his sinker, Corey. So he came over to the Cubs and he started throwing sinkers, not started, but continued to throw sinkers about 40% of the time. And that pitch escaped him command-wise last year. He went into this year throwing more four-seamers instead of his sinker. So he was throwing four-seamers at about 40% through June of this year in AAA. Recently, over the last two months, he's gone back to that sinker that he was using last season, and the sinker looks different. The shape of the pitch looks different. And what's different about it is that it has about two and a half inches more induced vertical break with the same amount of arm side run. So it's not going to dive as much as it dove last season. By a decent amount, actually, two and a half inches is not insignificant, I think. At the same time, the question is, well, how meaningful is this? And two, is this an intentional change or just a byproduct of randomness? I don't know the answers to that. This could be random as well. But I have noticed with this sinker, his walk rate his base on ball per nine is around two and a half batters per game since middle of June when he started throwing those sinkers. And it has a different shape to it. And that is a pitch type that's more suitable to his underlying mechanics. So I am, I'm wondering now if this is something that's going to give Killian more comfort. But ultimately, I think what's going on here is the Cubs bullpen's taxed, yeah. dude. And Ross has been super urgent. I've, I've actually liked how he's managed the bullpen like a lot over the past few weeks here. But the bullpen is taxed. The starting rotation is also taxed. You have Stroman on the IL. You have Steele today having to be forced to go over 100 pitches in terrible weather because you have the bullpen that's been used a little bit more aggressively lately. I think this is just a matter of you need innings right now. Yeah. And it's pointy to where I can see down the road a potential concern in that you don't have the depth to get through September. It's, it's not to say it's going to happen, but that was one reason why at the deadline, I'm like, you know what? I wish we had one more arm. Like, I wish we could get one more bullpen arm to really solidify that and solidify that depth. Because ultimately, King of Thompson can't rely on him right now. Brandon Hughes is out for the season. You don't have that anticipated underlying base that we had going into the year. And the roles have changed. I also like can't be your multi-inning guy anymore because he's your closer. Lighter's the same thing. He's like your wipeout lefty 
guy at this point. He can't be used in two, three, four innings as he used to be used as well. And then yeah. before I turn it back to you, Corey, one last point with Jose Quas. A lot of comments on Jose Quas. Comparisons to Steve Cizek, unique release point. I get well, let it. Me, be- yeah. Before you get to him, let me let me finish on Killian first. Uh, so, you know, obviously to your point, yes, it's going to be very important that not only does Marcus Stroman come back and and get healthy uh, when he is eligible, uh, but he's going to need to return to form, right? It's going to be critical for this team down the stretch that yeah. he come back and pitch like he was at the beginning of the year. And, you know, look, if he, he gets right and, and feels better physically and that truly what was going on here, I have all the confidence in the world that he's going to be able to do that. But they're going to need it, right? They, they, it's they, a necessity. They, this team will not be able to settle for less than that, right? No. Stroman is going to have to come back and pitch like Marcus Stroman did all season. Um, and the guy that was voted to the All-Star team, that is the, the version that the Chicago Cubs are going to need. As far as Killian... Uh, yeah, you know, look, like he he's only had a couple stints in the majors. So like it is nice to see him back and you always want to see these guys getting these opportunities if it's there. His last seven AAA outings, a 2.43 earned run average, uh, just a 6.8% walk rate and a 20.4% K rate. So we'll see what it brings. We'll see what role he gets in there. But as you said, right, like we've seen, you know, Tyone is certainly trending in a better direction, but some of his starts have been short exactly how they're attacking these Drew Smiley starts. I think when Drew is out there, you're going to want to have guys ready, have that leash be short, and be prepared for some of those games to require several people to piece together those 27 outs. Hopefully, Drew can kind of fine-tune some stuff and get back to some of the better starts we've seen, but I think you have to prepare as though that's not going to be the case, right? Yeah. Let's get three, four innings if we can, and then have somebody ready to come in and and kind of change things over. So if that's Caleb Killian, we'll see if that happens. As Because it's relevant to this conversation, as we look at this series coming up against the Mets on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, and then the Cubs are off on Thursday, Drew Smiley is the probable starter for Monday's game, Jamison Tyone on Tuesday, and Kyle Hendricks on Wednesday. So obviously, Card is subject to change, but that is how they have it laid out uh, if you're looking at the probable pitchers. So I do think, you know, when you look at that Smiley start tomorrow, have guys ready, and that may be a quick opportunity where you see Caleb Killian get in there, uh, you know, if the Mets load up on righties, like, we'll see how that all goes, right? But you're going to, the, the the bullpen's taxed, they've been playing a lot, not a lot of off days in this recent past, and you've got one of your best pitchers on the IL. So you're going to need reinforcements and you're going to need guys to step up like Javier Assad did on Saturday. Yeah, and you need steel to go through September. That's also hasn't happened yet. And also another reason why I didn't like selling because you give steel the opportunity to not only get through September, but do so in the most highest leverage of circumstances yet. Jose Coas, Corey, a lot of comments, similarities to Steve Cizek, Scott Efros, underlying potential excitement for some folks as a result. Very different pitcher than those two guys. Very different pitch movement despite the same release point. The difference with Quas versus what we've been accustomed to with Scott Efros and Steve Cizek is for Scott Efros, that breaking pitch, that slider, insane amount of movement. For Quas, it's well below league average for horizontal movement on his slider. It has more of a tighter drop to it, which could be good against lefties. But against righties, it's not going to have that same sweeping bite that you would want from a guy who gets wipeout whiffs against right-handed batters. The weird thing with Quas that I think could be an area of like intervention for this Cubs pitching uh, coaching staff is looking at that fastball usage. He uses mostly sinkers, and a sinker has a ton of arm side run, about 18 inches of arm side run, three inches more than your average sinker. And as a result, you're not going to get maybe a lot of like that induced vertical break. It's going to have more diving action, and that might perform pretty well against lefties. And so whereas Steve Cizek was more of a multi-lefty-righty guy because he had, he had good induced vertical break on his four seams, Steve Cizek had a diverse, a diverse repertoire, a good breaker. Scott Efros is more against righties with a heavy sweeper, where I can see Quas maybe making sense currently without understanding what they're going to do with them. Is he could maybe be a guy against lefties, and you change what he throws most of the time to right-handed batters. If he throws sinkers 
as much as he's currently doing. He's thrown like, I think 600 pitches or so this year, about 400 have been sinkers. If he keeps doing that, then you leave the possibility open to get crushed against right-handed batters. Similar to what you saw Adler Alzali go through a couple years ago. Similar to what you saw Hayden Wisniewski go through earlier this season and what he's continuing to go through. When you don't have a four-seam fastball that has some natural carry to against righties, you just leave the possibility open for leakiness to get damaged. So what do you do? Well, you can maybe capitalize on that uh, underlying arm side movement to, to to left-handed batters and throw more sinkers to them and use maybe more change-ups if they want to do that or use that slider that has more of like a, a tighter shape to it similar to what Alice Lai has, similar to Julian Merriweather has without the velocity. He's unique. He's not like Scott Efros. He's not like Steve Cizek. The similarities in the release point, but the differences are quite stark in terms of stuff. He is a very big project. He needs to significantly change a certain uh, number of things to improve his command and improve his platoon splits because lefties have hit him to a, or sorry, uh, yeah, lefties and righties actually have kind of crushed him, but his platoon splits are pretty stark. He has a 380 weighted on base average right now against uh, a lefty batter. So something needs to change for that to happen. I don't think you can confidently say, yes, this is a guy for the middle of the, of the bullpen, but he is a project and who knows, maybe he can turn into something relatively quick. Yeah, and I mean, clearly a guy that the Cubs identified and, you know, saw stuff that they could improve upon just the surface level numbers. Uh, Nice outing for him on Sunday, an inning just to hit, two strikeouts, nothing else. So certainly a nice showing here today against some tough Atlanta Braves hitters. Uh, And then, yeah, curious how, you know, we continue to see the usage of Javier Assad as well. Three and two thirds, five hits, two runs, two walks, and three strikeouts. But, you know, again, against this lineup in these conditions, really nice, you know, showing for uh, Javier, considering that that was not the role he was occupying, you know, prior to that. So for him to be uh, pitching in a lot of like garbage time moments and things like that, and then, hey, we need you to start against the best offense in the league and maybe one of the best offenses we've seen in decades. Like, go get him, kid. Uh, I thought he was great on Saturday. So curious uh, all to, you know, what we see more from Javier Assad. Going to be interesting to see how the Cubs put together this pitching staff uh, until Stroman comes back, and you know, really even after that. But um, altogether, uh, as we've said, the back end of that bullpen has come back really, really nicely and settled into those roles. I did uh, see a quote, if I can find it. Of course, I lost it as we're doing this. Yes, uh, from our guy Jared Willis, who was at Wrigley Field today as well. Uh, Michael Fulmer, one of those. Uh, back-end relievers now, uh, on playing at Wrigley Field, quote, the crowd getting on their feet all the way from the first inning through the ninth inning in big spots. It really gives us a big boost of adrenaline and kind of gives us the will to want to do it even more and get the job done. You're welcome, Michael. I'm assuming he's talking about me specifically. Only you. No one I, else. I was there. It's yeah. your jersey. You know, <laughs> that uh, Yeah. Uh, he comes out to Copperhead Road, right? Like, you know when Michael Fulmer's in the building, right? Yeah. So, um, yes. Uh, Going to be interesting. You know, you're playing this Mets team coming up that is just a, a absolute dumpster fire, just not the way that that season has, uh, you know, they wanted it to unfold in, in New York. Uh, but you're going to have to take advantage. You know, that was part of what we said kind of leading up to the trade deadline was the schedule had some soft moments and you needed to prove it against those teams. So, uh, no letdowns, right? You just took a huge series against one of the best teams in baseball, a huge showing this weekend. And, you know, go continue to take care of business here against the New York Mets. Don't let down, don't play down to your competition. Let's make the New York Mets season even worse, right? They traded Justin Verlander. They traded Max Scherzer. They kind of said, all right, well, this dream season we were having is not going to happen. Well, let's keep that going for them, right? How about continuing those vibes? Ron Sano would want us to do that. (laughs) Wow, Ron Santo. Uh, he would love this team, I think, the fight in this team right now. I will say, the starting rotation needs to step it up a little bit here. The bullpen's taxed. I need yeah. Tyone. He's talked about this. These are his words. Tyone's fastball needs to get back to a point where he's feeling good with the pitch. And for Tyone, he said, three to five inches of horizontal break. It Last start was not good. Like He got through it fine. He got a little bit lucky, some good defense, natural randomness. But he needs to get that field back. And he's been showcasing it over the past two months. But right now, the Cubs starting rotation needs him more than ever. 
with uh, Stroman on the IL, with Steele giving forth every ounce of effort and the potential uh, you know, volatility that naturally you have to accept for a young pitcher in Steele not having gone through September before. So Tyone needs to step it up, paying him a lot yeah. of money, and my hope is we see it right away. Well, and, and again, you know, to your point, in terms of them stepping it up, like, yeah, like they're, they're going to have an off day on Thursday, so there is one coming, but you've got a full series here against the Mets before that, and you had your bullpen go five and a third on Saturday, three and two thirds on Sunday. Obviously, your big guys, Lighter, Alzali, for sure, you know, closing down those big wins these last two days. So you're going to need those starters. Somebody's got to eat some innings, right? Yeah. And hopefully it is not in mop-up duty. Like, let's have, you yeah. know, Drew or Jameson go out there and just shut the Mets down, eat some innings, give us a nice big, you know, big-time start. That's what this team needs. They desperately need it from some of these guys. So hopefully we can see that. Um Y'all, I I don't know. This was a lot of fun. We appreciate y'all in the chat. We had so many people in this chat. I did see, uh, you know, our producer Steven put in there, uh, there will be pre and post game tomorrow on Monday. Uh, They'll have you covered for post game for all of these games in this Met series. If you're in this chat watching on YouTube live or later, hit that thumbs up. We do appreciate it. We, uh, you know, it helps us a lot. Before we sign off, I do want to mention, if you haven't heard before, if you are in Chicago or plan to be in the Chicago area, Friday, August 25th at 9 a.m., the CHGO Kickoff Classic Golf Tournament at Cog Hill, uh, presented by Big Drive Energy and Pins and Aces and CHGO. Of course, you can sign up as an individual, twosome, or a foursome. If you are a CHGO diehard member, we have a promo code for you. You can email events at allcitynetwork.com to receive your discount. If you are not a diehard member, visit allchgo.com to check that out. Against that is the CHGO Kickoff Classic at Cog Hill at 9 a.m. on Friday, August 25th. Get your golf on with the CHGO crew. Uh, Again, pregame, postgame tomorrow for the Cubs and Mets. Postgame for all those on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. We appreciate you guys. This was a lot of fun. This was a fun week of baseball. The Cubs take three or four from the Reds. You know, the Reds are trending downward, but when that series started, you know, kind of a battle, right? I think that the Reds entered that series in first place. So for the Cubs to show up and, you know, not at Wrigley Field. We're not letting y'all, you know, have any fun here at Wrigley Field. We're going to kind of bring you back down to earth and then welcome in the best team in the league in the Atlanta Braves. And, you know, I, I don't I don't know if they humbled them a little bit, but I think they put out a shot to the world like, hey, if you haven't been paying attention to the Chicago Cubs, they're back and they are in this race, right? Because they you just are, took you, two or three you, from you the are, Atlanta Braves. You are so in. Look at you. Oh, we're all in, baby. I know. I know. We're sick. I don't remember we're what what was that? 2016. Everybody yeah. in, right? Hashtag, what, what, I'm going to keep well, saying what, that. What year was that? That was 2016 when the Chicago okay. Cubs won the World Series. Won, won the World Series. Okay. People. A lot of that. people forget that. Correct. Yeah. yeah. Um, we we appreciate you. Brendan and I will be back with you uh, next Sunday. Uh, again, keep it tuned to CHGO and the CHGO Cubs team for all of your coverage needs our guys ryan herrera jared willis at the ballpark they'll have all the news on any roster moves things like that quotes from the players visit allchgo.com for the great written content subscribe to the chgo sports youtube page to get all of these live shows podcasts and more we appreciate you the cubs take two of three from the atlanta braves they are four games above 500 and as of this moment ladies and gentlemen we are not just talking about the chicago cubs we are talking about the chicago cubs who are a playoff team welcome back everybody we've got august and september we are in a playoff race folks as pat hughes would say fasten those seat belts and as always go cubs